It is good to be back on Search the Scriptures today. We welcome all of our listeners to the program. We hope that you are enjoying studying with us right from God's Word each day as you tune in. And we pray that we are trying to do justice to help you understand God's Word effectively uh, and a fairly full basis and also in a way that helps you understand how to apply it to your life so that it makes sense for you day in and day out. It's good to be here to study with you always. We appreciate the opportunity. We take this time very seriously. And we hope that you are coming to the point where you are growing in your knowledge of God's word and thereby growing spiritually. And that you're coming to where you're going to be able to make that decision as to what you need to do with your life. We care about you a great deal. We pray for you all the time. We pray that you're going to make the right decision. As always, it's great to be here today to study with Dennis Stackhouse. Thank you, Gary. I'm certainly delighted to be with you on the program today and would like to welcome all those who are listening to us as well. We're pleased to have you. Hope that you benefit from the time we spend together. You know, I find it interesting, Gary, that in your opening comments you spoke about enjoying studying God's Word. And yeah, sometimes I think people don't approach it from that standpoint, they may look at it as more of a, a grind at times, more of an effort that's required to get into it. But for those who do get involved in a serious study of God's Word, it is an enjoyable, enjoyable thing. You know, in the first psalm, we read about a man who's identified as a blessed man. And we're told in verse 2 of that first psalm that this individual delights in the law of the Lord. He doesn't just see it as a good idea to get involved in it and to read it and to study it. He delights in it. It's something he looks forward to. And that verse goes on and indicates that he's involved in it day and night, continually meditating upon it. What a great picture that is. And we really hope our listeners are catching that kind of a spirit when it comes to a study of God's word. Amen. I, you know, I, I think, and we've, we've made this point a number of times in the program, that as people do get into God's Word on a deeper basis, perhaps more uh, frequently than they, they have in the past, and they realize, as we try to get it across in this program, that you can understand it. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people get excited about it. I think you're right. You know, and it, it is an exciting thing as you read and you study and you do come to that deeper understanding of God's Word, it makes you want to know all the more. Amen. Yeah, something you uh, kind of long for. Absolutely. Look forward to and find mm -hmm. yourself making time to do. Yes, or as Jesus put it, hungering and thirsting. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Dennis, we're going to continue on with this uh, study talking about looking upward, inward, and outward. Yes. In the first section of the study, we talked about how if you want to change your life, if you want to find real happiness, real fulfillment, if you want to find that meaning that most people hope they can latch on to for their life, direction, hope, mm -hmm. peace, then you're going to have to look upward. You're yeah. going to have to recognize God as God. Absolutely. You've got to recognize that God is an awesome God. He is mm -hmm. your creator. He is, mm -hmm. is all-powerful, but he is also loving and mm -hmm. merciful. 
and uh, holy and mm -hmm. completely righteous, and he cares about you. Yes, he does, every one of us. Yes. Now, once you have looked upward and you recognize God as God, well, then you can begin to look inward, and that's mm -hmm. what we've been studying about for the last several programs. Now you can look inward within yourself, and you can begin to develop that faith in God mm -hmm. that will lead you to change your life for the better. Yes, that's absolutely right. And you know, this is a really a good study, I think, for us to be involved in, Gary, because when we talk about looking inward, we hope our listeners are not thinking we're just talking about initially coming to faith or initially becoming a Christian. This is something we need to do even as Christian people throughout our lives. Absolutely. Coming to faith does not that's not the end of the road. That's, no, no. Oh, you've just begun at that point. Mm, that's right. You've begun to live a life, mm -hmm. a life that's going to be different from how you've lived in the past. Mm -hmm. Now, in looking inward, we've talked about how, how so many people, they, they look for meaning in their life. They look for some kind of thrill, happiness, fulfillment in places that by nature, by their very nature, are not going to sustain them in those directions. Mm -hmm. In some cases, some superficial pleasure they might get for a moment out of sinful practices and endeavors. In some cases, they might look at uh, even violence, you know, but certainly mm -hmm. illicit sexual activities. Mm -hmm. those, those things, though, they're just, as I said, superficial. They're here today, they're fleeting, they're gone, mm -hmm. they don't last. Mm -hmm. And then some people look to wealth and materialism, money, if they could just have more money, if they could just have more things, everything would be better, they'd be happier, mm -hmm. more fulfilled, and so on. Well, again, that's not where real happiness is either. No, it really isn't. You know, any of those things you mentioned, Gary, and certainly there are a number of others we could speak about, if you do find momentary happiness or pleasure in those things, you need to understand that's the extent of it. As you said, it's momentary, it's temporary. Yes, yes. Here, gone. Right. You wake up in the morning after you've gone out the night before and supposedly have this big time mm -hmm. at a drinking party or getting drunk or whatever, you, you don't remember. Mm -hmm. And you wake up the next morning and you pay the consequences. Yes. Because now you got the hangover. Maybe you have to uh, dig yourself out of some mess you got yourself in the night before that you don't even remember mm -hmm. why it happened, how it happened. Mm -hmm. Just very fleeting. And again, it's not real. No. Now, we've talked about in looking inward how we need to come to realize that we are created in God's image. Indeed. Very, very special. Yes, we certainly are. We are created with a spiritual essence. Mm -hmm. And so we understand the difference between right and wrong. We understand the very concept of morality. We need to also recognize that God is not just our creator, but he's also our, he wants to be our heavenly father. Yes, that's right. Now, he wants us to have this very close personal relationship, mm -hmm. and uh, probably that was that relationship in the very beginning, but sin entered the picture, didn't it? It certainly did, and, and that, that changed everything. Yeah, everything. Yes. Changed our relationship with God, with the Father. Mm -hmm. And so we have to come back to a right relationship with him, but the good news is that God, in loving us, 
and created in us in the way that he created us, in his own image, that he has made the way for us to overcome sin. He has. You know, how thankful we can be that he has done that. Exactly. Sent his son to the cross mm. to die in our, in, in our place so that we could have the opportunity to be reconciled, brought back into that right relationship with God. Wow, what a tremendous sacrifice that was and what love that prompted it. Exactly. Almost unfathomable. Yeah. Well, that was an awesome display of love by an awesome God. Exactly. And we read that very term over and over again, Mm -hmm. talking about the magnificence of God. Right from Scripture, over and over again, says he is awesome. Yes, we did. Now, by God's grace, you can look inward. You can realize how special he created you. You can recognize that sin has separated you from God. And now God's already done something. He sent his son, as we said a moment ago, to die on the cross and pay the price for the guilt of our sin, Mm -hmm. to ransom us from the condemnation of sin. You can recognize that. You can understand his love demonstrated so abundantly in that act of sacrifice on God's behalf so that you can be reconciled with your heavenly father. But now you have to do something about that. Mm -hmm. You have to respond. Yes. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, this is really a classic text. What does it say? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. There's no way that you're going to be saved, that you're going to be brought back into that right relationship with God, but by God's grace. Exactly right. But now you're going to have to do something. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to respond to God's offer of grace. That's right. There's some very definite things you have to do. Mm-hmm. One of those we covered right here in this verse, in these two verses, and that is you're going to have to develop faith. Right. Now that is part of looking inward, isn't it, Dennis? It certainly is. It certainly is. When we recognize God as God, when we recognize what he has done for us, in sending Christ to the cross, and when we realize our sin problem, then we can do something about that as we develop faith in God. Mm -hmm. Then we can begin to come back to him. That's looking inward. Yes. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 tells us very directly that that faith is not an option. (laughs) That's right. There we read. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, what about, Dennis, the individual who's not sure about God? They're skeptical. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're even agnostic about it. Mm -hmm. Is that going to suffice? Well, certainly not. Uh, As the Hebrews writer tells us here, Gary, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And, you know, for anyone who would uh, think otherwise, that there might be some kind of escape clause or some kind of condition, focus on that word impossible. Without possibility. That's right. 
So we've got to come. You, as, a, as an individual person listening to this program today, you've got to come to believe in God. Mm-hmm. Not just suggest in your mind, well, maybe there's a God. Maybe he's out there. No, you've got to make up your mind. Does God exist or not? Mm-hmm. Is he your creator or not? Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, Gary, and uh, you, know, you don't want to say this to be mean or harsh in any way, but in the 14th Psalm, I believe the writer starts that off by indicating the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Well, you know, Dennis, I think that that, that designation is, is pretty appropriate. Mm-hmm. Because when you consider the ramifications of there not being a God, mm-hmm. and when you consider the, well, the absurdity of suggesting that what we see in this world in which we live today could have just happened by accident, mm-hmm. I'd say it's pretty foolish to disbelieve oh. in God. It is. It certainly is. In John chapter 8 and verse 24, we're told something else that we must do. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So Jesus says we must believe in him as God's son and our Lord and Savior. Absolutely. You know, John the Apostle put it in a very direct way for the individual who might suggest that, well, I believe in God, but you know, I don't think you have to believe in Jesus. I think you can believe in, in somebody else, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Buddha or maybe Muhammad or maybe, um, you know, Sun Myung Moon or maybe whoever you just fill mm-hmm. in the blank. Sure. Uh, Jesus says, no, you've got to believe in me. He did. And John, the apostle put it for that individual in a rather scathing way. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ mm-hmm. does not have God. Exactly. But he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Yes. Second John verse 9. So if we want to walk with God, if we want to be with God, if we want to be in that right relationship with God, it's only going to happen through the Savior. We've got to believe in Jesus Christ. We really do. And you know, uh, along that line, Gary, Jesus himself said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Very direct statement, isn't it? Yes. He's indicating there he's the only way to God. Yes. Now, some people might say in their supposed enlightened sophistication of thinking today that, well, that's pretty narrow-minded. Well, again, we have to realize these are the words of Jesus himself. Yes. They're not my words. They're not your words. This is God speaking. God speaking. Exactly right. And, and not only, and, and that's a good way to put it, that's God the Son speaking, but yes. it's also God, God's inspired word mm-hmm. recording it. That's exactly right. So if we think we have become too sophisticated to believe that there's only one way, we're the ones who are less than super sophisticated. (laughs) I'm afraid so. 
we need to recognize and we need to reconcile ourselves to the, to the, to the understanding that there's only one way to God, and mm -hmm. that's through Jesus Christ. Exactly. Now, there's something else that we have to do, and that's recorded in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Repent there and be, excuse me, repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When he says, repent and be converted, now the idea of repentance is technically, when you look at the Greek word, a change of mind mm -hmm. inherent with that understanding is, it is a change in mind that leads to a change in action. Yes. And so when we're thinking about, about it from that perspective, that means converting your life, doesn't it? Certainly does. Changing it, mm -hmm. turning it around. Yes. And notice that it says that your sins may be blotted out. Right. The repentance is a prerequisite to the forgiveness of sins. Oh, absolutely. Yes, there's no other way to look at it from a scriptural standpoint. So we must repent mm -hmm. of our sins. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 13 and verse 3 and again in verse 5, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Mm -hmm. Yes, and we can look again into Acts chapter 17, verse 30, and... Paul speaking there or writing there indicated that God is expecting all people everywhere to repent. So it's not optional. Yes. In fact, a little, even a little more emphatic than that, he, he, he says uh, ignorance is not an excuse. He did. Ignorance is not an excuse. Mm -hmm. God expects everyone everywhere to repent. Mm -hmm. Now, there's something else that we must do to come to this salvation offered by God's grace. I know that some people, they, they have a tough time reconciling themselves with the fact that, hey, I've got to do something to take advantage mm -hmm. of the grace that God offers me, yes. the salvation that God offers me by grace. That should not give you a problem whatsoever. Mm -hmm. The salvation is from God and it's by his grace. Mm -hmm. But there are some things we have to do mm -hmm. to receive that salvation that he offers by, our, by his grace. Mm -hmm. We don't earn it. We don't achieve it. We don't deserve it. God saves us, but Absolutely. he expects some things from us. Yes. You know, and in reality, Gary, these things he expects I think we should look upon them as a response of love for the, for the love that God has already displayed to us. Yes. Love, submission, mm -hmm. surrender. Obedience. Obedience, yes. Mm -hmm. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, on Pentecost, as the church was coming into existence, Peter and the other apostles were preaching. Peter's words are the ones that are highlighted in Acts chapter 2. And when he had convicted and convinced many of the Jews that they had rejected the Son of God, their Lord and Savior, the Messiah, they asked, what shall we do? Mm -hmm. In verse 37. Mm -hmm. In verse 38, Peter told them what they must do. What did he say? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They had to repent. We've already read that. They had to be baptized. Mm -hmm. And only upon the, their response in those two expected ways could they receive the remission or forgiveness of their sins. That's correct. 
This was the plan that God had established even before the world came into existence. This is what everyone must do if they want to become a Christian. And when we say everyone, we mean anyone who has lived uh, since the church was established on the day of Pentecost that you were speaking about just a moment ago. Everyone in the present time, everyone who will live as long as this earth continues to exist. Very clear, isn't it? It is. These are things that we must do. When Saul of Tarsus was confronted by the Lord on the road to Damascus, he was told to go into the city and it will be told you what you must do. Mm -hmm. Ananias then was sent by the Lord into Damascus to the place where Saul was residing at that particular during those particular days, mm -hmm. and he came up to Saul of Tarsus, and what did he say? In Acts 22, verse 16, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now again, Ananias told him that in response to Jesus, in response to the instructions of Jesus, telling Ananias, you've got to go tell him what he must do. Mm-hmm. Now, now, again, that's what Jesus told Saul. Go into that city, and it will be told you what you must do. Mm -hmm. Ananias told him, in essence, you must be baptized for the remission of sins. Mm -hmm. So you must surrender to Christ in baptism. Mm -hmm. At which point, the blood that he shed on the cross on your behalf will cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. God offers salvation that his grace is sufficient to do that. But you must believe in God. You must believe in Christ. You must repent of your sins, and you must surrender to your Lord in baptism for the remission of your sins. As you look upward and recognize the glory of God, his magnificence, his awesomeness, his power, and also his love, then you can look inward and develop that faith that will bring you the ultimate happiness that you seek, and the peace, and the fulfillment, and the meaning, and the direction for your life. Now the question is, are you ready to look inward and find that real, lasting happiness? In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, as we close, what does that say, Dennis? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You've got to become new. You've got to look inward and become that new person, that new person who has become saved in Christ as you were baptized into him. Look inward. Take that step. Let us send you that free Bible study, and you can learn exactly how to do that right from God's word. We're waiting to hear from you.